Hello, this is Mike Ghetto and Steve Carpenter from Yakima Chief Hop Union. This is our second episode of our podcast, Beer, Baseball, and Binds. This week we are going to be speaking with Surly Brewing uh, Minneapolis head brewer Ben Smith. Uh, before we get to Ben, uh, we want to talk a little bit about the Mariners and the Twins. Uh, Steve, as uh, we mentioned in our first broadcast, is a Seattle Mariners fan. I'm a Minnesota Twins fan. It's opening day tomorrow in Minnesota if they get the snow shoveled. Uh, they had, I think, over a half a foot of snow yesterday and today. So uh, see if they get the if they get the field cleared off. But uh, it's opening day for the Twins. They're hosting the, the the Seattle Mariners. Steve, you went to Arizona, saw the Mariners at uh, spring training. What are your thoughts? I did. I'm excited. This is uh, this is going to be an interesting podcast with Mike being a passionate Minnesota Twins fan and. I've been a Seattle Mariners fan since 1977 when they came into existence. Uh, that's the reason we've invited Surly along, because this could be a Surly conversation by the time <laughs> we're done. But uh, looking forward to it. Uh, I do go down to spring training every year. Got to watch the Mariners for uh, about a week and a half down there. And, uh, yeah, they've got some missing pieces to the puzzle, but they're off to a good start, uh, winning three out of four. And they've got the Giants today before they hop on a plane and head to uh, Minnesota uh, to take on the Twins. Twins had a, a good opening series against the Orioles. Uh, the first three games, their starting pitchers uh, w- shut out the uh, sh- shut out the Orioles. Uh, Orioles have a good hitting team, but they started off very well. And uh, Jose Barrios, the only the only game I got to watch uh, was on Saturday because of the, the schedule. But uh, Jose Barrios threw a, a nine inning shutout. It's his first complete game in the major leagues uh, was a pretty impressive he's got some some wicked pitches I saw that game on TV and you're definitely right Mike uh, Brios is a pitcher I think anybody would love to have young kid good stuff good good fastball uh, he's gonna be a good one before he's done well the, and the Mariners and the Twins have some uh, some interesting relationships we, we were talking earlier uh, the Twins pitching coach is Eddie Guardado uh, everyday Eddie we called him in Minnesota I think you might have had a different term for him uh, as he finished <laughs> out his career in uh, in Seattle we, we had a different term for him and his protege Fernando Rodney who we uh, have back yeah yeah we <laughs> called it the Fernando Rodney experience and I, I think the Minnesota fans got a little taste of that uh, opening in day. their opener yeah so well, the other connection we've got is uh, the Mariners this year as their new center fielder, D. Gordon, uh, from from uh, uh, and his brother uh, Nick Gordon, younger brother Nick Gordon's in the Twins organization, minor leaguer, and of course their dad was a great reliever for the uh, the Boston Red Sox, Tom yeah, Gordon. Absolutely, I love D. Gordon. The energy he brings to a ball team is just amazing, and if the Mariners do well this year, he'll be a big uh, big uh, part of it. Well, let's let's uh, let's uh, bring on uh, Ben Smith. Uh, ben is the, I guess we mentioned the head brewer for Surly Brewing, uh, and uh, Ben, uh, welcome to our podcast. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Ben, uh, you're a big Twins fan. We know you're going to opening day tomorrow. Uh, did you grow up in Minnesota? Were you a lifelong baseball fan? How did you uh, how did you how did you get to the point where you're going to opening day? Yeah, I grew up in Wilmer, Minnesota, which is about two hours west of the Twin Cities, but I've lived in. Uh, Twin Cities since uh, college so quite a while so I've made it to just about every home opener in the past 10 years probably that I've been out of town for business or something else so it's it's you know if you're from Minnesota you, it's a long cold winter um, and usually uh, the home opener is kind of the 
symbol of the end of winter and the start of spring and summer and baseball is a big part of that unfortunately we got like nine inches of snow yesterday so we'll we'll see how this works out tomorrow those first uh, first 10 days two weeks of april are the only time of the year you wish the uh, the metrodome were still there i think <laughs> right <laughs> you know i was uh I've, I've been away from minnesota i grew up in mankato not too far away from you in wilmar and, and uh, yep. uh i went to school in the twin cities as well and and the metrodome was such a terrible place to watch baseball my buddies and i what we would do is we'd, we'd set chairs out outside and we'd have a keg of beer or, or, or a case of beer and we'd put a TV outside so we could watch baseball outdoors, but we were watching it on a TV because the, the Metrodome was such a terrible place to watch baseball. It really was. So we're blessed to be at Target Field now. Even with the weather the way it is, it's still – we're from Minnesota. We're hardy folks, so it's kind of fun to, to go out there, and we know it's going to get better within a couple of weeks. Short sleeves, no T-shirts when you're playing in 30-degree weather, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually have to find my long johns. I have to pull them out from, the, from storage, I think. It's going to be a cold one. It's full, full duck hunting gear tomorrow. <laughs> well, Ben, uh, you sent us, and we're in the process of tasting your very good new brew, Cut Down IPA. Uh, it's a really good beer. Uh, how, you know, Tell us about that beer. It's got a good baseball history, so tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, so uh, we partnered uh, mm-hmm. with former Minnesota Twins, pitcher, former all-star uh, Glenn Perkins. Uh, he was our closer for many years. He's a Stillwater native, played for the U of M on the Gophers team, so lifelong Minnesotan. Uh, he retired in, I think he announced it in February, so we had reached out to him. We had a few connections. And, uh, he's an avid home brewer. Uh, he's got a little nano brewery out on his farm, so he's a big craft beer guy. So we, we invited him to come down and collaborate on a beer, and we actually ended up making uh, kind of a scaled-up version of one of his homebrew recipes. He was telling us about it, and it sounded great. It sounded like something very approachable, but also a little bit different than our normal catalog of beers, so we just went ahead with that. So it's it's got a little bit of crystal malt, but not really a crystal malt flavor, but it gives it kind of a nice orange, dark hue. Um, and then we generously uh, hopped it. We did a double dry hop with, um, with Centennial, Amarillo, um, little Simcoe, and some Citra hops. So um, just a nice bouquet of flavor, nice malt backbone, a relatively balanced beer. Um, that's I'm a terrific beer. We're, we're tasting it right now. We, we just had a sip, Ben, and I can tell you that's a type of beer for guys like me that like just a little bit of beer with their hops. It's yeah, outstanding. It's, it's, not, it's not too hoppy, not too bitter, but it does just, have a nice bouquet on the end. Yeah. Um, I'm really pleased with it. More importantly, Glenn really liked it, too. He came and tried it on Monday. So um, we're pretty excited to debut it. We're uh, it's going out to market this Wednesday, and then tomorrow at the home opener, we'll we'll have it on tap at the ball field and a bunch of bars around the downtown area too. So it's pretty That's exciting. terrific, and uh, you know I, I had the, the the good fortune in being able to visit your your brewery uh, next to uh, the university uh, last fall. Uh, it's a great great spot for those of you who have not been to Minneapolis or been to that brewery. It's just a wonderful location. In Minneapolis, St. Paul, I mean all of Minnesota these days is really a great place for craft beer. You guys are really uh, on the cutting edge, uh, Ben, with with your organization. But a lot of good things going on in, in Minnesota around craft beer, and uh, you know, right next to, uh, to 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 the university and, and where the Gophers are playing, and just you know, not too far away from uh, Target Field and and where the Vikings are playing. I mean, it's pretty exciting to be at Target Field with your beer, right? Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, so we'll have cut down on tap. We also have all year round. We'll have Furious and Hell on draft at the at the ballpark plus. Um, bunch of different cans so most of our beers in 16 ounce cans if people aren't familiar but uh, we'll have cans throughout the stadium as well so it's, it's great it's, it's really fun to go watch a baseball game and be able to drink beer from from Surly. Ben how did you come up with the name cut down 
Well, if you've ever seen Glenn Perkins pitch, he's our closer. He would walk on in the ninth inning, you know, two outs to uh, Johnny Cash's God's Gonna Cut You Down, which is a pretty intense uh, song. <laughs> that so is an intense. That's a great song, though, yeah. <laughs> uh, we'd get goosebumps if you're sitting in the, the outfield or, or waiting to watch him uh, pitch. So uh, he'd come in and generally get the job done. So it uh, kind of came from from that. Uh, we changed a little bit. Instead of cut down with a, with a C, we did the backwards K for Oh, for the great. cut down too, so that's kind of awesome. fun. Uh, watching Glenn pitch, I mean that that wicked slider he had is that lefty a wicked slider with his fastball. Those uh, those three years he was an all star, that was a lot of fun to watch. It was, and you know it's fun uh, to have the opportunity to get to know him because he's actually a really great guy too. He's kind of down to earth thing. He he he's surprised we let him in the brewery, and we we're kind of surprised he came down. <laughs> so we're we're really pleased to have that relationship and it's been a lot of fun working with him any idea how he got involved in home brewing or, or how did you get involved in brewing yourself uh, well for glenn i think he had some friends on the team he used to be on uh, with trevor ploof trevor ploof was a big craft beer guy and mm-hmm. i think he said he had a homebrew kit lying around for a couple years and finally pulled it out and uh, i think he was on um with dl for a bit of time and, and just started doing it and he said he made two extract batches and said screw this and jump straight to uh, to all grains so that's pretty exciting um I don't for know. me I, I i started the same way it was home brewing um uh, and then eventually just kind of wondered if i can get paid to make beer um talked to a lot of guys ended up in montana for a few years and then went through uc davis's master brewers program and ended back up at surly so i've been at surly about almost five years now you know i don't know what it is with these relievers but uh, seattle had a Ball player a few years back, uh, Chris Ray, hmm. that was an avid yeah. home brewer and ended up uh, retiring from the game and started a brewery in uh, Virginia, I think is where it's hmm. at, Center of the Universe Brewing, and uh, nice. is uh, uh, doing well down there as well. So uh, we, we love it when baseball players have a passion for beer and vice versa. <laughs> yes, we talked too last week. Uh, you know, Dallas Keuchel's got that great brewer's beard, and, and Glenn Perkins himself's got a little brewer's beard. So, mm-hmm. uh, do you guys listen to Johnny Cash when you're brewing, uh, Ben, and that's early, or you got something a little bit uh, heavier that you guys listen to when you're when you're in the brew house? Listen to a lot of a lot of everything. Uh, we do listen to a lot of metal, but Johnny Cash is definitely in the mix. Um, yeah, we our staff kind of is all over the place, but. Um, but it's great. It's a lot of fun. Usually high energy stuff. Keep people, keep people moving. Well, you got two, you got two great, uh, Minnesota, uh, songwriters, uh, performers, Bob Dylan and Prince as well. You should, you should get those guys on, on the, on the tune box as well. Oh yeah. They definitely go through the rotation. That's for sure. Uh, uh, Ben, so you've been brewing for a while. Uh, you know, one of the things that, uh, you know, Surly's good size and we've had you come out to selection speaking of cuts and, uh, you know, one of the, the highlights of our year is having brewers come out to Yakima and to Oregon and Idaho, visit, t- spend time with our customers and, and go through the, uh, the hop selection process. And, and part of that is, you know, getting these cuts that you take and analyze. Uh, you want to maybe just tell us your experience and, and, and how that's been for you? Yeah, I mean, I love going out to selection. Um, I think anybody that's purchasing hops, whether you're, you're you know, a tiny little brewery or, or a brewery of our size, it's important to go out and... Um, pick your hops also see the farmers meet meet your suppliers and just build those relationships but the picking the hops themselves is great because you get um all the different cuts it's such a great sensory experience you learn a lot um you kind of get out of it what you put into it so uh do all the research ahead of time kind of have the flavor profile you're looking for uh and hopefully getting uh, exactly what you want but i think 
even more important than that, though, for me is just nurturing those relationships we have with with you guys and with the farmers, and and actually getting a firsthand look at at the process, going to see. You know, the hops coming in uh, up from harvest all the way through to the pelletizing operations. It's, it's pretty amazing to see. It's such a huge scale. Everyone's doing a little bit differently, too. Um, so for me, it's just really exciting. It kind of brings you down to uh, to earth on what we're doing and how we're using it. You know, a lot of times you're at the brewery, uh, you're just getting a box of hops or a bag of grain, and you're not quite as connected to it as when you go to the farm, whether it's barley farm or hop farm. So for me, that's a huge experience and really really makes everything we do uh, even more important and special. That's great to hear, Ben. I know we not only have a passion for great beer here, but we also have a passion for transparency. And anytime we can make that connection between brewers and, and growers, that's that's a win for us. Um, we actually take the information that uh, you and other brewers give us and get that back to our farmers. And uh, our farmers are able to take that data and then make uh, their growing decisions based on what you're telling us in terms of picking dates, in terms of, uh, you know, even times that uh, growers put the, uh, the vines on the string in the spring. And uh, it's all valuable information, and uh, we appreciate your input. Well, that's great. I mean, that's kind of the, the fun part of it, too. You know, for better or worse, you know, not all hops are, are great. Some aren't the best. But to be able to give that feedback on both sides and say this is what we like, this is what we don't like. Yep. Um, and then having the farmers react to that. I mean, with, without that information, it's kind of hard to, to complain either way or be happy about the hops, too. So um, it's nice to be able to have the relationship and the back and forth with, with uh, both the suppliers and the farmers themselves. And, Ben, do you um, – how many years have you been coming out to selection? Uh, actually, only been out the past two years. And, and do you feel like there's both? I, I would imagine you feel a little bit more experienced the second time around. But is it something that you would like to continue to do? Do you think it's uh, beneficial for you to do on a regular basis, an annual basis? Oh yeah, definitely. We'll be out there every year. Uh, I, I don't see myself never not going. Um, if anything, we'll just end up bringing more people and spraying it out over a couple of weeks, or make sure we're getting the the freshest hops, depending on on when it's being harvested. I'd like to get more of my kind of my lead brewers and my kind of upper uh, brewer staff out there to experience it as well. In the past, it's just been Jared Johnson and, and myself going out and then Todd Hawk before that. So I'd, I'd like, if anything, to get more people out. We've got a sensory uh, coordinator I'd like to bring with as well. Um, so I think uh, the more the merrier. Now, we, uh, we, we love having the brewers out to give the feedback, as Steve said. And, Steve, you'd mentioned something kind of interesting to me. Um, so we had the feedback. We've gotten feedback now from all of the people that came out and selected, and now we're into the spring and we're twining. Um, explain again sort of what and how that might impact the feedback from the, uh, the brewers during the selection process and how that will now impact the springtime in terms of uh, the growers' scheduling. Yeah, the hops are just starting to come out of the ground here, so a lot of growers are starting to get their twining crews put together to get the string up. Uh, one of the most important functions over the course, of the course of the growing season starts really into the month of May, but it's called training, and that's where we go out and actually start those little binds up the uh, string. And if we don't get that timing right, uh, we run the risk of... Uh, either an early bloom, which cuts into yield, or even other quality issues that, that could come about from not getting your tr timing right. So uh, uh, it's a very important part of the year coming up uh, over the next couple months. Uh, 
Lithuanian itself has changed over the years. Uh, when I was a young guy in my former life growing up on a hop farm, uh, we would go out and actually take 12 to 14 inch wooden stakes and drive them in the ground with these big aluminum mallets. And then that's what we would tie the string on in the bottom uh, to the top of the trellis down to the ground. Now they use a little W-shaped metal clip that's a much easier, but it's still a very labor-intensive uh, operation that we go through. That is that is something that I notice, too, driving around now as, as the growers are out with their, their, their teams twining, how manual it still is. It's... You know, we keep thinking about mechanization and, and all of that, but that's still a very manual process to do the twining. It is. It's a very small industry. Uh, there's about, uh, here in the Pacific Northwest, 50 or 60 growers. And uh, I know there's been attempts in the past to attempt to mechanize the twining process, but uh, we just haven't figured out a way to do it that's cost-effective yet. Uh, ben, back to you just for a second. You know, as as mm -hmm. in general, uh, the summer is the peak beer consumption time. Do you guys do anything different during the spring as you're gearing up for that, or is it just you know you're going to be accelerating uh, the volume you're selling, or is there anything different you do as a brewer as as you get into this time of year, April? Uh, we're definitely gearing up for a busy spring and summer. Uh, a lot of it's just planning, so we kind of work with our our own sales team and then with our distributors to hopefully get accurate forecasts. The hard part about Minnesota is it until that kind of switch flips and uh, really starts heating up, it, that really depend, decides what uh, when things get busy. So we're kind of waiting for that. Uh, April's been a little slower than we expected, and that's definitely due to weather. So weather's a big component of uh, how much beer we sell, because most of the beer we're selling is still in, in Minnesota and, and the surrounding states. But um, a lot of it's planning, make sure we have uh, enough um, Hops malt on hand, making sure we're up to the uh, right amount of staff for the summer, um, and just kind of gearing up to hopefully be busy. We, we started doing variety packs this year, so that's kind of a new development. Uh, so we'll have a variety pack hitting uh, around Memorial Day, so we're, we're getting ready for that too. And that that involves a lot of manual repack labor, so trying to plan that out around our normal packaging schedule is a, a big part of uh, what we're working on right now. Do you have a favorite baseball player in the Twins? Are you wearing a specific jersey tomorrow to the opener? Um, you know, I'm a big fan of Brian Dozier. He's been huge over the last few years. Um, it's exciting to have Morrison on board, and hopefully he'll do really well. Waiting for Sonoda to kind of have a breakout year, too. So, um, But also really excited for the pitching this year. I think we kind of disappointed as we got closer to spring training, and then we went out and made some deals. Um, and then having guys like Berrios step up and be super solid his last start this year. So, um no, it's, we've got a great team, got a lot of great players. I don't think I could single out one over the other, but um, really excited to see what these guys can do. Boy, if I was a Minnesota Twins fan, I'd be excited about that young center fielder you got out there. Oh, Byron, yeah. Byron Buxton looks Byron like Buxton, he's man. a keeper he long-term. He can fly. I don't know what his uh, his uh, walk-up song is, but it should be Born to Run by Bruce Springsteen. That guy can <laughs> just fly. That's a good one, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's amazing. His speed is incredible. He made a catch the other day that I don't think nine out of ten center fielders would have made. He made it look easy. He just kind of ran up and, and grabbed it. Yeah. To um, me, what's impressive is not only does he have the speed, but it, he's he's got an eye for you know those those uh, the the perfect angle or whatever the the saber matrix is that they talk about his efficient route efficiency. 
I mean, he, mm-hmm. he is really good at it. You know, that's what's really remarkable is the speed, but knowing where to where to go to, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, his routes are, are fantastic. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited. It's a little unfortunate that Polanco got suspended, but um, the rest of the team hopefully will, will pan out and be great. Joe Maurer has been around forever and just seems to keep on hitting as the years go by. I think he's one of the only players in the league that played with Babe Ruth, if I remember right. <laughs> but, uh, you got Bartolo Colon. He pitched uh, six good innings. You saw that for Texas? What is he, 40, 44 or something uh, like something that? Like That's that. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll see how what's, long what's the weather <laughs> forecast for the home opener tomorrow? What are they predicting temperature-wise? Uh, I think it's supposed to get into the mid thirties. Um, I don't think it's going to get quite to 40 degrees. Uh, the sun's out today, so hopefully they'll be able to clear all the snow off. There's if you go to the star tribune, our local newspaper site, they've got some fun, uh, videos of the guys clearing off the snow out of target field. So, <laughs> um, I talked to the groundskeepers on Monday. We're out there for the media day and, um, they were stressed out. Uh, they actually use a lot of hot water to melt the snow and just kind of, pour down the, the steps from the top of the stadium so there's pictures of them out with hoses and trying to get everything ready but uh doesn't doesn't look great we might get some more snow tomorrow but it sounds like dave st peter's gonna have him play ball so we're excited minnesota proving it could always be worse since 1858 <laughs> right yeah we could right. play a game of hockey tonight and then you could play baseball tomorrow you know <laughs> exactly. same the same the same place <laughs> Well, Ben, uh, how many people are on your on your brewing team? You know, you talked about uh, being able to get some people out here. How many people do you have that are involved in your recipe process? Uh, in terms of the recipe creation, you have Jared Johnson, myself, uh, our director of brand development, Bill Manley, uh, does a little bit of that. And then our lead brewers, uh, Josh Lemke and Weston Shepard, um, are involved a little bit too. Um, and then overall, I think we've got two breweries. We still have original Brooklyn Center Brewery, so I think we've got about um, 12 brewers on staff and then packaging we've probably got another 12 guys so uh, we're looking at about 25 to 30 people in production that's a good crew and uh and are you running 24 7 or do you give uh people the night off we're running 24 5 so we typically get going monday morning and most of the guys get out of here by friday afternoon friday evening and then uh, i've got one guy in on sunday doing some centrifuge and, and prep for the week but for the most part uh still able to give the guys saturday and sunday off um, once we get to summer, it might change a little bit. But as much as we can, we try to keep people on a four- or five-day schedule. Business is still good for you guys. I saw you know, your, your year-on-year changes in terms of production are still pretty impressive. Yep, we're able to still be successful. Uh, we grew about 20% last year. We cracked the uh, overall top 50 breweries in America on uh, number 49, number 39 for craft. So things are still, still moving well. Obviously, it's a different market. Uh, we don't expect to grow at that rate. Um, over the next couple of years, but we're in a good position to uh, be successful, be profitable, and uh, keep making great beer. Ben, if you keep making beer like Cut Down IPA, you're going to be successful <laughs> for a long time. Real, really an enjoyable so. beer. Yeah, thank you very much. It's well, a, it's Ben, a pleasure to make. We we really appreciate your taking time out of out of your brewing schedule to uh, to spend with us today on our podcast. Uh, yeah, Steve said great beer. You've been uh, a great partner with us and. Uh, we look forward to seeing you again this fall during harvest, and hopefully that time will be when uh, the Mariners and the Twins are still fighting for playoff opportunities, and uh, and it's uh, it's an exciting end of the year for all of us. I hope so. Ben, here's wishing you nothing but good hops. Yeah, same. <laughs> okay, thanks, Ben.
Yeah, thank you guys so much. Go Twins. Okay. Well, we talk, you know, he brought up Logan Morrison. He's a, he's a former Mariner, right? Uh, starting off with the, first with the Rays and now finally this year with the Twins. you got Logan Morrison. You've got uh, Fernando Rodney yep. uh, out there in the bullpen. That's going to be an exciting one. Uh, there's a couple former Mariners that play for the Twins. Uh, which, by the way, you know, that reminds me. i got a trivia question for you, Mike. All right. Uh, see how you do on this. Paul Molitor, of course, is the uh, manager of the Twins, has been for a couple of years. He was, by the way, the hitting coach for the Mariners back in 2004, and I think that's the year he was inducted into the Hall of Fame, if okay, I got that right. I forgot about that, yeah. 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 And uh, he is one of only five players to have 3,000 hits, a 300 lifetime batting average, and 500 stolen bases. There, he's one of five. I'm going to give you the other three and then let you guess who the other one is. Okay. Uh, Ty Cobb was one of them. Yep. Honus Wagner. Yep. And Eddie Collins. Okay. Probably I, I never. Would, I would have I not gotten Eddie <laughs> Collins. Yeah. Uh, there's also a fifth one, and I'm going to give you a hint. Okay. Tomorrow, for the game with the Seattle Mariners, this fifth player will probably be out in left field. For the uh, oh, Seattle that's Mariners. Ichiro. Ichiro. Okay. You got it. Yep. He, he had a great catch. He's another 44-year-old. He had a great catch. Uh, was it the second game of the year? It robbed uh, somebody of a home run, right? He did. He, he can still get up in the air and still play the field. I know you're uh, obviously a big Mariners fan, and if you think about uh, Edgar Martinez and uh, Ichiro Suzuki, who both should be in the Hall of Fame? Or do you have one that you would say is a better overall player than the I, other? I think each year will be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah. Uh, my own bias is Edgar probably should have as well. Yeah. But it's just taken a little bit longer, I think, for the writers to accept the thought of a designated hitter uh, being in the Hall of Fame. But uh, next year is his 10th uh, year on the ballot. Uh, nobody's got a higher percentage in their ninth year and not made it. So. Right. Uh, I've already got a hotel room booked for Cooperstown for next summer. That should be a lot of fun. And, and it, funny you mentioned Cooperstown, upstate New York. That's where your family originally grew hops, right? They did, yeah. So I could probably uh, piggyback a trip to Cooperstown to the Hall of Fame. I've not been there. It's on my bucket list with a genealogy trip up north where they uh, the family grew hops back in the uh, mid-1800s. And then how did, what was their journey west to uh, end up in Yakima? Did they go first to Oregon or Seattle, or how did they end up specifically in the Yakima Valley? Yeah, my great-great-grandfather Charles actually uh, was attracted to the west coast by the gold rush. Okay. Uh, so it wasn't hops. It was no, it wasn't. Rush. It was originally uh, San Francisco area, and then he moved up north to the uh, Caribou gold mines in uh, Canada mm. and uh, didn't pan for gold, didn't look for gold, but did uh, establish a business building roads back into the mines uh, okay. and made enough money to uh, settle here in the Yakima Valley, actually about four miles uh, straight uh, south of our office here mm -hmm. and established the uh, first hops uh, grown here in the Yakima Valley back in 1869. 1869. Yeah, I was just a kid back then. I barely <laughs> remember it, but uh, yeah, would have been that, would have been like the Cincinnati Red Stockings. When did when did Abner Doubleday? When did uh, when was the official consideration for the start? Gosh, of baseball? I, I think it was then, about right? that same time because he was a, he was a Civil War veteran, right? A Union yeah. uh, from New York. Uh, yeah, it would have been roughly that time. It was about that same time. So, so. another 
another great parallel between hops and baseball. Curious if uh, it would be interesting to find out if the Carpenters and the Double Days had any kind of connection back in the <laughs> New York days. You know, it's a pretty yeah. remarkable story. And uh, for those of you who um, have had the um, the blessing of meeting Steve's dad, Tom Carpenter, he is really one of the icons in the hop growing uh, community and industry, along with many other great uh, retired farmers here in, in Yakima and Oregon and Idaho. Uh, but to, to hear their stories for me, you know, I, I grew up in Minnesota and uh, to come out here more recently, but to hear their stories and talk about the old days is pretty special. Uh, there is really a wonderful legacy around hop growing and the families that have been involved in a lot of ways similar to some of the legacies we talk about when we're looking at baseball. And I think maybe somehow or another that's why we got connected to this stuff, Steve, is that connectivity between uh, the history and traditions of baseball, the history and traditions of, of hops and craft beer, and it just feels right. They're both very generational and uh, have always been very interesting to me. It's it's always interesting, too, just to note that the uh, baseball season and the hop season parallel each other, and, and we're all hoping for great, great crops and a good season this time of the year, and uh, sometimes it pans out, sometimes it doesn't, but that's the fun of it. Well, we, we have the usual bet for this series in Minnesota? We do. So uh, that's a, a, a glass of top cutter, right? So Mike's, uh, his first week over here actually last June uh, just happened to coincide with the Minnesota-Seattle series back then. So uh, if I remember right, that series we kind of split and ended up with, uh, with no blood, but right. st- enjoyed the beer anyway. That's right. All right. Well, Steve, another good week. Uh, next week we have a pretty fun week as well uh, with baseball. I have to be back in uh, in New York, Connecticut for a trip. And uh, next Friday we're going to stop in at the new McKellar Brewery uh, at City Field where the Mets play baseball. And we'll be talking to their head of brewing, Jim Raris. And uh, we'll have a special visitor, uh, Brian Bouchard, who is our partner at Country Mall Group, who's a huge Mets fan. Uh, Steve and I had the uh, the enjoyment of hosting Brian last year at a at a Mariners Mets game, and as we told Brian, it looked like we were playing the 1961 Mets. So, <laughs> uh, but that should be fun next week when we have that. Steve will be holding down the fort here in Yakima while we're back in New York, but that should be a fun week as well. Look forward to it. Uh, hooking up remotely, you guys will be uh, out at the ballpark. I'll be back here. Uh, looking forward to, to uh, touching base with you and Brian. Thanks, Steve. And again, if, uh, for our, our listeners, if you have any comments or feedback, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, thank you, and uh, we will see you next week. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, guys.